0: Let me start off by saying good morning What a pleasure it is to be here this morning I'm so thankful that I was able to wake up in my right mind and God has blessed us to be here If you would please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12 Through chapter Twelve, and uh, we will begin reading at verse forty three. And it reads When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first So also will it be with this evil generation. We find Jesus describing the spiritual condition of his generation. He had just described them as being evil and adulterous in Matthew chapter 12. If we look at verse 38 and 39. He says then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered them saying teacher we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them an evil and adulterous generation seek for a sign but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet of Jonah. He was saying that they are evil and adulterous. He also described to them that they needed to change. So what I want to focus on this morning and the present text of our study that He was describing as an evil generation. He used an example of demon possession. Jesus warned, it's not just enough. I want you to hear this. It's not just enough to go through the process of having one's sin forgiven. Unless reformation continues and something positive is put in place of that sin. That way, the end might not prove to be worse than the beginning. If you do not replace it with something good, what do you think will stay? What do you think happens if if you just say, "Well, I, I, I'm sorry" or "I've sinned, Lord, forgive me," but you don't replace it with something positive? You have to take out of the negative and place, replace it with something positive. Now, in this lesson, I want us to understand that we have to get away from the ideal of neutrality and disinterest. A lot of people are disinterested and they're neutral when it comes to doing what's right. So we must replace evil with good. So the lesson this morning is called The Dangers of an Empty Heart. The dangers of an empty heart. What is in your heart? I want you to think in your mind that our heart is like a home. In it can reside things. In it, things can live. And when we do that, there are two things that happen. What resides in your heart, which is the home, right? Good things can be produced or evil things can be produced. So let's look at Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19. It says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. This is the evil things that can bring much harm to you if you allow them to reside in your heart. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. We have to be careful with what we allow to live, reside, relax, kick its feet up in our hearts have to be very careful. But, you know, as always, we say the bad things, but then there are some good things. And the good thing is that there are some good things that can come out of the heart. It's not just evil things that I want to focus on, but I want us to be aware that evil things can reside in the heart. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 35. Bible says the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. So the positive note about this is that if you do have some things that are in your heart. That reside, that are not good, that are evil. It can be cleansed. That's the good news. The good news is that you're not stuck in your present condition. The evil things that are in there can be removed and they must be replaced with good things. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. Our house can be cleansed. So let's look at that. The Bible says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we can cleanse this house. We can change our present condition. Our conscience is purged from dead works to serve God. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14, I have a lot of scripture this morning. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We can get there. We are expected to do something. We are expected to feel that home. That heart is the home that I'm talking about. Spiritually speaking, the home is the heart. We can fill our home with some good things. That's the expectation. The expectation is not that, you know, I I have the ability to repent of my sins every time I do it. So I I guess it kind of makes it okay for me to do what I want to do because I can ask for forgiveness. No, we are to be the ones who say to ourselves, it is the expectation of our heavenly father to replace those evil things with good things. And in order to do that, you have to have faith. You have to have faith in Christ. You have to have faith that Christ himself is able to dwell in your heart. It is possible. A lot of people feel like it is impossible for me to live a life of a Christian. It is so difficult for me to do this Christian walk. You know, I have to die to myself daily. I have to be kind to people who are unkind to me. I have to reach out to those who don't want to be reached. I have to read my Bible as as, as often as possible. I have to, to come to gospel meetings. I have to support other gospel meetings. I have to come to Bible study. I have to come to worship. And on top of that, I have to be on time and I have all these things going on but that is the expectation you have to ask yourself then if we look at what it means to to really do this you know when you decide to serve the Lord I, I think that God's peace and grace fills your heart I think the more you read The more you spend time with God, I think that 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 you 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 have this thing where you want to fill your heart with Him. Let's look at Colossians chapter three and verse fifteen. The peace I'm talking about. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. We have to understand that we have to be thankful for this. The peace that comes. The understanding that comes. You know, I have conversations quite often with people and they say, well, how is it that you have peace in the midst of struggle? You know, serving God, it it is a A peace that surpasses all understanding. But the reason why you have the peace, because you understand the sacrifice in which you're making in this present life, on this time side of life, there's a reward that awaits you. I have peace in my heart and in my mind that no matter what happens, as long as I've given God my very best, all of my heart, All of me, I've given myself away to him completely. I have an understanding and a peace that tells me no matter what happens in this life, in the afterlife, none of that matters. All of the pain, all of the struggle, all of the things I've been through, that's over. And to do that, though, we have to do something very important. God's law is to be written on your heart. You ever written something down on a piece of paper? Or you, you, you jotted down in your diary and maybe you went on 10 years from now, or maybe that first drawing that you put on grandma's refrigerator. And then you go over there 10 years later, 20 years later, and you're grown and she pulls out that piece of paper and she says, you remember when you did this? You remember that? That's why we need to write it on our hearts. So when we're faced with certain circumstances and situations, you can pull that thing out and that's a reminder of who you are as God's servant. When it's written on your heart, it's like, oh, wait a minute, I was about to go there. Oh, Oh, wait a minute, I was about to fall short. Wait a minute, I was about to do some things that I shouldn't have been doing. And then it's written on your heart and you are reminded because it's there, it's implanted, it is embedded in you. And that's what we need. So what happens though when you do not fill your heart? If we don't make the effort to fill our heart with good things, the evil things will likely return. And when it returns, it will return with vengeance. It's not going to return skipping and, 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 and it's okay. No, it's going to return with vengeance. The reason how I know this if you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11 I want us to consider the example of the Corinthians Verse 11 The Bible says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. They were good, they were washed. Sanctified, justify, they, they understood what, 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 what was important, what they needed to do, just as we have when we obeyed the gospel, when we said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I will vow to serve you, I will do everything that you ask, how often you ask, whenever you need me to do it, I will do it, and then life hits you in the face. You, your heart is broken. You lose someone close to you. Things begin to fall apart because that is life. And then what happens? Yet later, you engage in sinful conduct again. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We want to stay clear of this. We want to stay away from this. Verse 20, for I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be a quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you and I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality and sensuality that they have practiced. See, they have been washed and sanctified and justified and yet later they engage in sinful conduct once again. That's why you have to replace the evil things that once resided in your home, which is your heart, with good things. You know, I'd like to give the example of when you get you an apartment and you've had a couch that everybody has sat on, slept on. You know, you have things in your house that's been there. And and it's time for you to replace those things. You, You don't leave the old couch in the house. You don't go out and buy this nice piece of furniture and then put it right beside the couch that the dog and, and then and you threw up on and then, you know, everybody has slept on and it just has that odor that it's old. You don't leave it. You take it out and then you replace it with something good. We understand that you don't go buy new tires on your car, and they and they're busted and worn down, and you put them in the uh, in the garage, and then put on new tires, only to take the new tires off and put back on the old tires. You already know what the results are going to be. The tires are worn down. The tires have been have nails in it, and, and, and my mom used to call them may pops. They may pop now, they may pop later. But the point I'm making is that you don't put them back on the car. You replace them with things that are dependable, things that that. May Makes sense. So that's why when we are Christians and we obey the gospel and we go down in the water grave of baptism, we come up as new creatures. We don't go back to the old ways. It makes no sense. And we wonder why we struggle. We wonder why there's so much clutter. We wonder why we have no peace because we have not replaced it with good things. We've allowed the old things to continue to reside. So you didn't put it away. What you did was you put it in the corner, and then you went back later and got it, instead of getting rid of it. We have to cut the head off. We have to bury those things. And a lot of times we don't put them away. So how do things become worse than they were at first? Let's look at the case of false teachers. And Second Peter and chapter two and verse fifteen, they forsaken the right way, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, falling the way of all uh, the son of Basar who loved the wages of unrighteousness. They had eyes full of adultery, hearts trained into covetousness, and that's found in Second Peter chapter two and verse fourteen, and and even they. Uh, denied the Lord who bought them how can you deny the one who bought you how think about it I am denying the very one who purchased me with his blood gave me a second chance and I deny him by repeatedly sinning over and over again not being thankful for what he's done Not even trying to replace the very things that once resided in my heart that I know that are not good. You know, people that are in the church of Christ who still have hatred in their hearts. Oh, I love the Lord. Oh, I love him with every fiber of my being, but yet you still have hatred in your heart. Don't call your brothers, don't check on your brothers. You got a problem with, with different cultures. You got a problem with diversity and ethnicity. Halfway speak to people that come in and don't look like you, talk like you, have the education like you, don't look like they belong in a social class as you do, and yet you call yourself a Christian. I'm not saying that we all don't have our biases and our prejudices, but I'm telling you that God did not send his son Jesus Christ to do that very thing and set that example. That's not the example that he set. He loved those who are lost. He came to save and seek the lost. He didn't come to save and seek those who already understood. And unfortunately, the lost don't look like you. Unfortunately, the lost don't have the knowledge in which you have. Unfortunately, the lost don't talk. The, uh, the lost don't act. They don't look like us. And it's important for us to take those things and fill them with the love of God. But in our case... What happens is their heart becomes heart. That's the bottom line. You can call it whatever you want to call it. You can label it whatever you want to label it. I'll label it this across the board. You have a heart problem. When you cannot love an individual as Christ loved you, you have a heart problem. And you have to fill that empty heart with something good. Let's look at Hebrews chapter three in verse 12 hearts can become hardened take care brothers lest there be any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God but it goes on to say, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by deceitfulness of sin. Our hearts can become hardened. But it's important for us as believers when we see those those uh, uh, those signs from our brothers and sisters, we gotta exhort one another. We gotta we gotta, gotta hold them accountable. That's important. Yeah, hold them accountable Hey, where you been? You know, there have been times where I'm telling you, my wife gets on to me We're on our way to services And I'll say, well, I got 10 minutes I got 10 minutes and I can make it I will go to that person's house That I have not seen In two weeks And I'm there (laughs) She's like, "You, you can't pop up over People's houses Oh yes, I can Because it matters to me Their soul matters to me. Them getting it right matters to me. So I'm telling you now, if I ever become a member here at Oak Mountain, and I don't have to stand in the pulpit, if I hadn't seen you in a week and I can get close to you, I'm going to come by and knock on your door. Ask you what you've been filling your heart with. What you've been spending your time doing, because obviously you haven't been spending enough time with God. You have forgotten what he has done for you, that he bought you. He paid an ultimate price for you. Have you forgotten that? Our hearts have become hardened. We have to make sure. And we can become so hardened through willful sin that it tramples the Son of God underfoot. And when it does that, we count the blood of the covenant as a common thing. I want you to think about that. We count the fact that Christ died for us as a common thing. That was just something he did. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. As if he came by and brought you a pie or, or, you know, you, 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 you had broke your ankle and so you came by to check on that person and make sure that they're okay. It's a common thing. It's natural. You know, I just, you know, I wouldn't be able to cut my yard because my lawnmower is down. So you break out yours and cut my yard for me. A common thing, a a nice gesture. It is more than that. And it amazes me that we treat it as a common thing. The reason why people are not as faithful as they ought to be because they believe that what Christ did is just common. That's just something he did. The sad thing is that we can reach the point that it can become epo- impossible to be renewed again. You ever thought about it, that there are people that you try to go after, you you keep calling, you, and you're trying to figure out what's going on? I, I don't understand. You know, we, we want you to come back. We, we love you so much. We, we miss you. What's going on? We haven't seen you in ages. They've gotten to the point that it's impossible for them to be renewed again because they have not replaced the old things that was always there with the good things that should be there. And what should be there on their hearts, residing in their hearts, is the word of God. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. It says, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once become enlightened. I have heard the truth. I understood the truth. I obeyed the gospel. Who have tasted the heavenly gift. And have shared in the Holy Spirit. And have tasted the goodness of the word of God. And the powers of the age to come. And then have fallen away. To restore them again to repentance. Since they are crucifying once again the son of God. To their own harm. And holding him up to contempt. Every single time we do that. We might as well be crucifying him over again. I can't imagine. Imagine. What he went through. I can't even fathom that. In my mind. What he suffered for us. Knowing that we had. He had to do it. It it had to be done. And yet we go back to it. We revert right back to that old man and that old woman. We revert right back to those things that were once evil in our hearts. And start practicing them over again. And then that becomes a lifestyle. And it becomes so, so clear and evident that that you love that sin more than you love God. You love the feeling that you get doing that thing that you do more than you love God. And it says that it's impossible for you to be renewed again. People come into the church. They hear the gospel being preached. They understand it simple and plain, what God requires of them. And I'm on fire for the Lord, and I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. And life hits them, and they say, you know what, I I don't think I want to. Oh, are you, you're asking for too much, or you know, why are you always asking me where I've been and, and why are you always calling, or why are you always trying to have a, a Bible study with me? Just kind of take it easy. But when they when they first heard it, they understood it. They tasted it. And then they go back and we wonder why it's hard for them to be renewed. Now you have the answer. Now you know. But we should not give up on them. It's hard, but I think that it's that that, that we should not give up on them. You know, in such cases, how true this statement is. The last statement that the man is worse than the and than the first is so so important because a person that obeys the gospel and they do well and they go back to that state, it's worse. It's worse. It's like if you struggle with, with alcoholism or, 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 or you're you, you doing some other thing that was your advice, whatever that is. If you go back to it, it's much worse to come out of it. Because it was almost like you're saying that I tried God. I gave him a chance. And now here I am again. And if you give up on God, you've given up on everything. That's why it's so hard. That's why it seems impossible. So you can give up on a person and come back again and try it again because we're 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 men and we're women we're human you know we we make uh, uh, bad decisions and we're we're we we are infallible we aren't but to to give up on the infallible God the Creator the Alpha the Omega the King of Kings to give up on Him you've given up on everything. So how important is it then that we do not let our homes, which is our hearts, remain empty and full of evil and worldly things to take up residence? What must we do? Well, we should fill the home. You got to fill it with something. You got to replace it with something. We have to fill it in principle. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The word sanctify means to set apart. You got to set apart something. You got to set yourself apart. You got to get away from all of the things that you've done, all the foolishness and all of the activity that is not of Christ. You have to set a place, a special place in your heart. And you have to set a special place in your heart for one person and that is God and that is for him to be the ruler of your life not the person you know to to have done something or something common for you know the ruler of your life we must regard Christ as holy in our hearts and then you have to be selective of what goes in here you yeah, be selective. I think a lot of times we think just because we come to church, we don't have to be selective of the things that we listen to and the things that we watch and the people we hang around. We have to be selective. That's important. And so what you must do is set your mind on things above, not things of this earth. A lot of times we don't set our minds on things above. We set our minds on what's happening now and what I want now in this life, opposed to what do I want for the rest of eternity Setting your mind on things above is Colossians 3 1 through 2. I'm, I'm just going to say these things. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's Colossians 3.16. It has to dwell in you richly. You know, like you know your favorite movie and every line in it. That's how Christ ought to dwell in you richly. We can go back to some special times and you remember when and what that what happened then. That how, that's how Christ ought to dwell in you. We ought to Follow the example of David. And then we have to think upon these things that are good and wholesome. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true. That's Philippians 4 and verse 8. Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. True, just. Honest, pure, always, constantly trying to replace those evil thoughts with good thoughts. And remember, transformation of character begins with the renewing of the mind. It begins with the renewing of the mind. And then you have to start filling it into practice. How do you do that? By utilizing every opportunity to study God's word. First Peter, First Peter chapter 2, 1 and 2. So put away all malice, all and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by if you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. Then, of course, you need to attend all services. Church, you need to be here. You want to replace those evil things? You shouldn't replace it with going to the club the night before and sleeping in on, on, on the Lord's day. You need to be here so that you can be reminded of how good God is. For so you be around other people that love the Lord and that you communicate with him that it's, it's tough and hold me accountable. The other thing is that we ought to participate in Bible study. A lot of people don't participate in Bible study, they just kind of sit there. And I know this is a little bit different, but but typically you don't raise your hand, you don't ask any questions, you don't write anything down. You don't seek to challenge yourselves to find out more about what it is that I need to know and how I can apply it to my life so that I can grow spiritually. And I've talked about this before. Read your Bible daily. You got to read it. You got to read it. Some people read the paper daily, but they don't read their Bible daily. Watch the news like clockwork, but don't read their Bible. You have to fill your heart with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. You ought to, ought to be singing it. And when, we, when we're when we in here singing out, the singing is great. It's beautiful. You ought to want to do it all the time. Every opportunity you get, just fill your heart with it. And, and not, you know, uh, uh, all of the, the, the songs that are on today. I, I mean, it's. You can't, I I mean, it was a time where you could probably listen to Fresh Prince or maybe MC Hammer, I don't know. But now, it's impossible. The filth and the things that they talk about. And if you allow that to fill your mind, then it resonates in your heart. And guess what? It comes out of your mouth and in your actions. We have to be aware of that. And we have to let Christ dwell in us richly. uh, Colossians 3.16. Lastly, I want you to understand this. Let your mind dwell on things that are worthy of praise, worthy of of virtue. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. And again, we we, we saw that, you know, whatsoever things are true. Fill your mind with that. Be selective about the things that you watch on television and the movies that you watch. Choose your books, your periodicals, your magazines, the things that you watch uh, online. You have to be careful about that. And young people, I know it may be difficult, but you have to choose your friends very carefully. It's very important. And we understand why. Because we have to be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good character. It's important. I know it may be hard, you may have a friend that's so cool and he's so nice. And you know, ladies he may play on the football team and he's the quarterback and he's cute and all of that, but if, if he doesn't have a heart and a mind for the kingdom, he's not for you. He'll corrupt you. He'll influence you in ways that you cannot imagine. You're already struck by the fact that he's a, a handsome man and he's an athlete. But if he's not a follower of Christ, if he's not a believer, he's not willing to, to give his life and be a, a, a man who, who submits to God. And if he cannot commit to him, I can promise you he will not commit to you. When you hang around people that are good and, and are of of the world of, of not of the world, they'll help you be strong. But when you hang around people that are in the world, they'll they'll, they'll weaken you and they'll hinder your efforts to want to do right. They'll keep you from doing the, the things that you're trying to achieve, the things that you're trying to overcome. And last but not least, I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. We cannot have communication with darkness and accept the light of God to dwell in us. The Bible says, be, you not, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteous with unrighteous, and what communion hath light with darkness. We have to keep that in mind. I'm sure you have some friends that now, if you're trying to win them, if you're trying to teach them the gospel, that's a whole nother ball game. But if you're hanging out with them because they're fun and they're silly and they're crazy and, and you get it, you know, they're hooped. No, you need to be influencing them because if you do not, you will be influenced by them. So I want to ask you very quickly, what is the condition of your home, your heart? What's in it? What are you filling it with? What is residing in it? What is relaxing in your home, your heart? What are you filling it with? What are you putting in there? What are you allowing to stay? Are you filling it with good things or are you filling it with evil things? Are you filling it with the word of God or or the word of the world? Does Instagram reside in your heart and Facebook and all the things you see and all the stuff on television and all of the foolishness that we see and the hatred and the racism and and all of the the, the horrible things that we see and the, the murder and the death and the pornography? Is that residing in your heart? And if it is, you can replace it with something good. And that is the word of God. Your heart becomes an abode for evil things. I'm telling you that your heart will become seven times worse than what it was before. So I want to ask you this question. If you are having some heart problems, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? The Bible says, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling upon the name of the Lord. That's Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. Have you been cleansed by the blood of Jesus and baptism? If so, then, and you haven't been doing what's right, then you need to repent. And then you need to replace those evil things with good things. It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful when you have replaced those evil things with good things. And I'm encouraging you this morning to, to replace those evil things with good things. Replace it with God. Replace it with the love of God. Those things that are true, those things that are honest, those things that are pure. So if you're here this, this morning and, and, and you know that there are some things to get right, then, then have a conversation. Pull Brother Hutton aside, pull one of the elders aside and say, hey, I, I don't have to wait till the preacher preaches a message. I, I'm sure at this particular time that I'm ready to obey the gospel. I'm ready to get my life on track. I'm ready to do what's right. Because we don't know the day, we don't know the hour when Christ will return. So we must be ready. We must be prepared. So I hope that I was able to say some things this morning to encourage you. You know that I I love you all. I love all of my brothers and sisters in Christ. But let's keep in mind what we allow to reside in our hearts.